0: going to Malachi chapter 2 and uh, the uh, text tonight uh, has several verses and I'm going to kind of break with what is normal format and uh, read those and then go into uh, what I feel like the Lord would have to say to us uh, in this place amen but how many's had your faith refreshed through these series amen how many has heard from God through These messages, I believe God is speaking to us and uh, there needs to be a freshness uh, that grips a hold of us. But Malachi 2 tonight, we're going to take our text uh, from verse number 10. Uh, It's where we're going to start and uh, uh, if we read it together, it says, Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another? profaning the covenant of our fathers. Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord has witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one? in your spirit, and do not be faithless. Pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? Amen. Hopefully we can dissect some of that and go through it and see what the Lord would have to say uh, to us uh, tonight. As you know, these series, we have uh, been looking at this book of Malachi. And we have used the writings of this prophet, Uh, to discuss and to learn and to dissect our need to pursue fresh faith. I sat last week challenged as pastors stood here and passionately preached to us that God first deserves, second he expects, and in fact ultimately requires our very best. God does not want our leftovers. God does not want our hand-me-downs. He does not want our trash, but God wants from us our very treasure. And I sat there and listened to the man of God as he laid out his spirit and his heart to us. And I couldn't help but thank, uh, think, thank God for a pastor that was still preached in 2020. That God must be first, he must be last, and he must fill all the space that is in between. I know tonight we've all come here from our day. We all have responsibilities. I know that the world demands many things of us. I know that we are full and our schedules maybe are so much that we can hardly manage them but tonight I hear a scripture and I've heard it since I was a child Matthew 6 and 33 but seek ye first the kingdom of God why the but there it's because before he gets here to this instruction to his people he has been telling them about the Gentiles And he has been telling them about how they are running around endlessly and tirelessly searching, trying to make all of the ends meet, trying to stay afloat, trying to obtain everything it is that they need. But he was saying to them, there is a better life. There's a better plan. Was trying to let them know there is, in fact, a way to get out of the rat race. Anybody want to know how to get out of the rat race? You got to quit being a rat. And you got to submit yourself to His will. And you got to become a child of God. He said, Seek you first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He said, They are running around trying to figure it out, but I've got good news for you. Here's the secret, here's the formula. Just simply put me. First, because when we get him, everything else is going to align itself under his lordship. We've got to learn how to put him at the head of our life and let everything else fall in line with that headship. We're talking about fresh faith in this series. And I have a direction tonight that I've been Asked to go, and there's uh, things that uh, were laid out that I've been asked to cover tonight. But let me say this before we get into that. We need a fresh faith in God today. I don't want to be redundant in things that have already been said through the previous um, parts of this series. But let me say tonight again, we need to know Him again. Come on, somebody. We need to study his nature again. We need to learn of his character again. We need to rediscover the beauty of his person and who Jesus truly is tonight. We need a rededication and a reintroduction to who he is. Hear me tonight, please. God's intent is not. That you are lost. God is not willing that any should perish. It is not God's plan. It is not God's will for any of us in this place. Nor any that aren't here tonight to be lost. He died for us. He died for us all. He is not some God that is sitting waiting to zap you if you make a mistake. He's a God that's waiting to save you when you make a mistake. He's not a God wondering when's it going to happen or is it going to happen or an if. He's a God that knows we're going to fail. He's a God that knows we're going to come short of the glory. But thank God he stands there with mercy saying I'm not there to destroy you. I'm there to bring you back into fellowship and covenant with me. Man, aren't you thankful for that tonight? Why are you starting this lesson off like this, Brother Hodge? Because we've come tonight to talk about fresh faith in our relationships. But we will never get right in our horizontal relationships until we first get right in our vertical relationship. Amen. Amen. We've got to make sure that we get it right with him so that we can get it right with him. Everything else on a horizontal plane is going to suffer and it's going to be broken and it's going to need work until we get it right vertically with the one that it matters most with. This is evidence tonight in our book, uh, this book of Malachi that we have chosen to base our series on about fresh faith. Malachi, let me recap if uh, this may be your first time, maybe a brief foundation. If you've uh, missed something, if I say something that Pastor or Brother Rory has already said, forgive me. But first of all, you need to know that Malachi is strategically placed in the Scripture. It falls as the last book of the Old Testament. Yet its placement is purposeful because this is a book from a prophet that stands as a fair warning. Through the mouth of Malachi, God is communicating to his people, you need to hear me before it is too late. Malachi's preaching, or better yet, he is prophesying to a people plagued, with corrupt priests. As a people, they have become very wicked in their practices. They are foolishly relying on a false sense of security that they have built themselves because they have had a privileged relationship in the past with God. But they have become hypocrites, and they have become unfaithful In their relationship to God. And because of this, their worship has become polluted. Pastor talked a little bit about that, about the sacrifices last week that they were bringing. And now, as they have become polluted, they are now divorcing their wives. They are marrying unbelievers. And they have become an overall very arrogant. They are so entrenched in sin that God's word has little or no impact in their life. Now, if you ask, if you poll them and you approach them, they all know him, right? They all serve him. They're all his people, yet their practices and their lives in no way reflect Him. Sound familiar? Amen. When's the last time you found someone that was lost? It's very hard in 2020 to run upon someone that will absolutely admit to you that they are lost, that they need God. Amen. Somewhere, somehow, we've all had some kind of encounter with God. But the measurement is, is your life reflecting Him? And this people of God at this particular time, they are prophetically standing at the very threshold of an open door to what is going to be 400 years of God going God is literally in this book of Malachi making one last appeal to them before he literally stops talking. I don't know about you tonight, but I really don't want God to go silent in my life. Think about that. Think about what that would be like if God suddenly just went silent In our lives. Tonight. One of the ways. That these people were grieving. The very heart of God. uh, Was. uh, That. They were. They had forgotten. How to treat. One another. And. It's not only how we treat him. We're going to talk about that. In a moment. But one of the major ways we grieve the very heart of God is how we treat one another. Remember, our topic tonight is fresh faith in our relationships. Okay? One of those is our relationships with one another. Specifically tonight, our fellow believers. From the beginning of this thing tonight, we need to understand that how we treat others. Matters greatly to God. How we treat one another. Those of us that have been born into the family and the kingdom of God. Matters greatly to God. Malachi presented it like this. 2 and 10. Have we not all one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? He was saying to them, you need to stop and you need to remember one thing. We all belong to God. It is he who hath made us and not we ourselves. And I think tonight that sometimes we forget that God loves our neighbor. The same as he loves us. Come on now. I know you don't like to think like that. I know that you like to think that you and Jesus have just got your own thing going. Well, honey, let me bust your bubble tonight and tell you that thing that y'all got going on. He's got going on with all of the rest of us. Amen. We all got a specialness in the heart of God. We all are the very apple of God's eye. God doesn't love you any more than he loves me. And God doesn't love me any more than he loves you. When God sees us, we are all his children and he loves us equally tonight. Amen. He loves you. He loves me. And since he does, I better love you. And you better love me. Because the scripture teaches that I must love the things that he loves. And I'm only allowed to hate the things that he hates. And I know you might be cross-threaded with him right now. But your neighbor is not on God's hate list. Amen. It's a little tight, but it's right. Amen. Furthermore, if they're all created in the image of God, when we deal deceitfully with one another, it is as if we are dealing deceitfully with God himself. He said that we profane the covenant. That word profane there means to wound or to dissolve. He said how we treat one another will actually affect our testimony in this world. Oh, come on, somebody. John thirteen thirty-five said it like this. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one two, another, preach a little while, John. Your identity as a child of God is directly tied to how you treat your brother. 1 John 4, 20, 21, he goes a little deeper. He said it like this, and we don't like this one. He said, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, I didn't write this. That person is a liar. This is scripture. 1 John 4, 20. You check it out in your Bible because that's what my Bible said. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see, How can we love God whom we cannot see? And He, verse 21, and He, God, has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Brothers and sisters, tonight, I submit to you, we need a fresh revelation of this precept. God, help us tonight when our spirits are so out of control that we war against one another. It's so vital. That we stay, come on, somebody, where we need to be with God so that our relationships with one another will be healthy. Come on, this is very evident tonight. In this passage in Malachi, a pastor preached it last week, polluted sacrifices, casualness with sacred things, worship without sacrifice. The people were in a mess with God, and because they were in a mess with God, they were in a mess with one another. This is something we saw from the very beginning of time. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis, Cain had came and he had offered something less than what God required and God rejected that offering and murder enters the human race. It started with improper worship and Abel lost his life at the hands of his brother because someone was out. Of balance, I'm telling you tonight, it matters. It matters to God. Pastor gave the example last week of the woman at Simon's house. She brought in that alabaster box full of precious ointment. It was her worship. It was her gift. It was what she had prepared to give, to pour out on to the Lord, she literally poured it out to, onto a God that she realized she needed, yet the privilege that frequented his presence sat casually doing nothing. Help us, Lord. So much so that we find Judas, one of the chosen, one of the chosen, one of the chosen Judas arguing that it was a waste. Her worship, his waste. But if you'll follow this story just a bit further, you'll find that this is where it all broke down because from this place, read it in your Bible when you get a moment, from this very place, from Simon's house, is where Judas left, the Bible said, to seek and sought opportunity to betray Jesus did not see the value in that worship. That worship that he deemed was a waste. And he walked out of discipleship into the very plan of the devil. I could spend a whole lot of time here tonight breaking this story down. But I'll transition to this statement. When you can't find the value in worship anymore, it will be very easy for you to take on the nature of st- Satan What is that? Revelation 12 informs us that he is the accuser of the brethren. And I set all of that up to tell you this: when you have no check in your spirit about dishing the dirt on your neighbor you need to visit an altar and check your spirit with the Lord. Because the nature of the devil is to dig up the dirt. But the nature of God or a child of God is to cover as much as I can cover because I know I'm only here tonight by His mercy and His grace. Why would I find myself pointing my finger at you and trying to shame you when I know that finger can point right back squarely at me? We've all had to have the grace and the mercy of God to cover something in our life. James 5.20 said, whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way saves them from death and they cover a multitude of sin. You want to know if you're a true child of God? You want to measure it? How do you deal with your neighbor's failure? Have you become so familiar with Jesus so profane in your faith that you become like Judas, like Cain, like the Pharisees that took the woman caught in the very act of adultery. All of them went searching for vengeance. They sought to accuse. They sought to make known. They sought to broadcast here's the ugly word, to gossip. They loved the dirt. Just give me the dirt. They just wanted to know it themselves and then they wanted everybody else to know. But the child of God says, mercy found me. Grace found me. His blood has covered me and saved me. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Let's lay it on the altar and let's worship him together. Come on. We've got enough to fight out in the world. Let's not have something to fight when we come into the house of God. Let's find some strength with one another. Let's get some fresh faith in our relationship. Let's speak life. Let's speak hope. Let's speak faith to one another. we've got to learn how to guard our relationships don't allow the spirit of this world the spirit of the enemy to destroy and rob the gift of fellow believers from your life did we get that don't allow the spirit of this world and this enemy that we all fight to rob the gift fellow believers from your life. That person that you hate today, you may find is the one that lends the hand to help you get through the trial tomorrow. The next relationship we must be diligent about, and I hurry, I hustle, I see the time, it's, five, it's 7.52, is our walk with God. As we get to Malachi 2 and 11, all of what we have been talking about comes into view. And we see a people that have lost their diligence in their own personal relationship with God. They had not only pillaged their promise to one another, they were now disengaged from God himself. Verse 11, Judah has been unfaithful. Another translation said it like this, Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed. That word detestable is translated an abomination. It means to be morally disgusting or abhorrent before God. This wasn't a loose term. It wasn't something that was thrown around lightly or easily. This term was reserved for the worst of all evils. It was only used when we talked about things like immorality, witchcraft, or idolatry. How did we get here? They had gone from a privileged nation to now a polluted nation. and I'll sum it all up in one word tonight, purity. their purity was being lost because they were marrying the daughters of strange gods. When they linked their privilege and their promise with paganism, the result was pollution. Purity is gone. And now it just simply stinks nostrils of God. Brother Rory sent me the building blocks of this message tonight. The bare bones if you will. He gave me the topic and right here he intended for me and I got to hurry to talk to you about 2 Corinthians 6.14 where we are instructed do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And I agree 100% but you do need to be careful with the people you run with. You do need to be careful of the dates that you go on. You do need to be careful whose friend request you accept on Facebook. This unequally yoked concept comes from Deuteronomy where the Israelites were told, don't plow with an ox, which was a clean animal, and a donkey, which was an unclean animal, yoked together. You can't put them in the same yoke and expect them to get along. It just won't work. Their natures are different. Their temperament is different. Everything about them is different. But as I was preparing, I kept coming back to the desecration that we read about to, of the sanctuary that God loves, where he was chastising this people. And I felt led to say to this group tonight, we are a different people. We are not to be the same. We are called to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a city that's supposed to stand unashamedly shining from the hilltop. But there is a move in this world to pollute our truth. There is a move in this world to pollute our revelation to bend it just a little, to slant it just a little, to make it easier to draw a crowd. And I felt led to tell you tonight, and I know you will because you've got great leadership, we must keep our purity or else we'll just be a big pollution that stinks in the nostrils of God. If there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, then let's preach it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Let's not sell out in the midnight hour. Come on, folks. This thing's getting ready to wrap up. If you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world, you you are rocking yourself to sleep. There are things happening now that are fulfilling prophecies that others have dreamed about seeing, and we are living right in the very midst of them. The Lord could call us home tonight. Can't sell out in this midnight hour. Why are you saying this, Brother Hodge? Because no one ever set out with the intention of polluting themselves. But if we aren't diligent in our message and we aren't consumed with it, then we are going to have occasion to allow something lesser to slip in. And when it does, we're going to look around and wonder where did God? talking. Where is his glory? Because you see, and I'm closing with this, if the ushers want to get ready. What I'm saying is this, this unequal yoke thing may start in the flesh, but it always finishes in the spirit. We've got to be careful who we walk with. 2 Corinthians 6 went on to say, verse 14, How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? In the natural, it's as simple as this. Who we walk with determines where we end up. But spiritually, the concept is echoed this way. The doctrine or the message that we submit to will determine eternity. I want to get this thing right. When I started studying about fresh relationships, and I've got five more pages of notes that I'm going to stay from tonight. When I started thinking about Relationships. I couldn't help but think about this world that we live in. It's a world of tolerance. You better be careful what you allow to get into your life. Psalms 1 and 1, I've preached this my whole life. It's marked in my Bible with the year 1994 beside it. I started preaching in 1994. 1994, it's marked beside. It came because a friend of mine and I decided we wanted to get in shape, and we started running. We started jogging. And every afternoon we would meet up at the track, and we would begin to run. We would begin to jog. But I noticed a pattern as we began to get tired. We would go from running or jogging, to walking and then we would go from walking to standing and finally from standing we would just simply sit down a few days later God showed me this in his word I've never forgotten it Psalms 1. And 1. blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of the sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful notice the progression And what the Lord showed me, walks means to tolerate, stand means to defend, and sit means to embrace. When we get tired of running with this message, we'll find ourselves following this course of decline. What we slow down to walk with, one day we're going to stand in defense of until we finally sit down and embrace. You don't think it'll happen? Ask the denomination that just split over homosexual marriages. Something years ago they would have never thought of. It would have never entered into their mind. When we're talking about fresh faith tonight in our relationships, let's get it right with one another. and Let's get it right with him. Let's come into his house and know that we're preaching the truth that's going to save somebody. Let's come in with a witness working on the inside of us. that says, I'm not looking for what's wrong with you. I'm looking to try to encourage you that I too walked in this place needing his grace, needing his mercy. And if you will, I'd like to walk to the altar with you and cover that mess. I'd like to cover that shame. I'd like to cover it up. I don't want to take on the nature, the accuser. I don't want to stand on the sideline and say, you know about them? Did you know what they did? Did you know what they've been through? Do you know where they come from tonight? No, I want to be the one saying, oh, but for the grace of God. Stand tonight. Let's give the Lord thanks for his word. Father, we love you today. I thank you, Lord, for meeting with us in this place. I thank you for your people, God, who are faithful to your house. I pray, God, that somewhere through this tonight, God, that you would impress us in our spirit. God, that we would go home, we would examine ourselves to do better toward our brother, to be better toward our sister. God, that should there be any alt in this place, Lord, that we would search our heart and we would search our spirit. We'd make it right for those, Lord that we worship with, God, that we would ultimately make sure that we stand on the true foundation of this word and make sure that we are right with you. We thank you for speaking to us tonight, God. I pray. I pray, God, that you would bless each and everyone that's come.